us that remain, those of us that are tuning in online, um, a, probably about a month ago, when I even thought about canceling, I, did, I didn't feel like it was that bad out there, but I thought, man, I don't want to cancel. I want to hear from Sister Phoebe tonight. I don't want to wait because I would have had to bump her back and further, and I just, oh, I want to hear from her tonight. I asked Sister Phoebe, I said, would you please talk to us and just share insight biblically and practically because we always talk about making disciples and our vision is making disciples as it should be because that was Christ's vision for his church and so um, but sometimes we say well, make disciples go make disciples we need to make disciples who are making the disciples anyone have a disciple we need to go out and reach people what does that mean what does that look like and so I said will you do a session on a Wednesday night principles for life about identifying and making disciples. The reason I asked Sister Phoebe to do this is because if you haven't been aware, she is intentionally, intentionally getting in people's lives. As people come into this church, some of you, she's done that to you, either online or here tonight. And so she makes it a point to really place herself in strategic positions and have intentional conversations. And then the way that she invests in people, she doesn't look at people as just a project. She genuinely loves and cares for the people that she makes time for and invests in. And so I said, will you tell us uh, why you do this, how you do this? How do you identify someone? What do you do? What steps do you take? Because Sometimes I'm the pastor, you think I'm supposed to just say this. I want you to hear from someone else who is doing this, living this, successfully doing it. And so to share some of her secrets and thoughts and uh, approaches. And so would you please just join me in welcoming our very own Sister Phoebe to this pulpit tonight. Bless you, everyone. Brother Billy Joe, would you start handing out the study guide or the cheat sheet, if you want to call it? You guys can um, take it home, and I have an uh, outline for you. And I want to add something to it on um, the, the very last um, diversity and other scripture for you all. Pastor Dornbach has uh, asked me to identify and make disciples. Um, and let me know when you, everyone has got it so you all can add that particular scripture to that. While he's doing that, I'm just going to share a little uh, testimony about um, my children, my, my uh, daughter Janae and Gavin. Uh, when they were little children, I would tell them... Um, Follow me as I follow Christ. If you were to talk to them today, they would tell you that. I would always tell them if mom's going straight and narrow and she rears off to the right, you don't follow me. You keep going following Christ and just pray for me that I get back on track again. And then um, that's what the Lord was really was doing. And I didn't realize it back then when I was telling my children that in the, the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, he was... He was telling us then to follow him. How are we doing with the handouts? I should have got Brother Billy some help. I'm sorry. As you will see, um, 
he's about done there. You have the first uh, outline says, follow me as I follow Christ. And you have the blessings, the commandment, the commissions. I'm going to briefly talk about that tonight then and go into how to identify a disciple. And then the last third uh, bullet is how to make a disciple. Okay. So in Luke 9, 23, Jesus said unto them all, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So that's what I was telling my children. I didn't know it years ago. That's what the Lord wants us to do today. He's given us the green light already to go make disciples early on in Genesis. And then later in the New Testament, he said to follow me. If you can recall, every time he encountered with the disciples when he met them, he just said two words, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed them, male and female, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and every living thing that move upon the earth. We all know that God breathed breath into Adam, gave him life, took a rib from Adam and, and brought him Eve. She came out of that. We have something within us that's so powerful and valuable, we, it just may be lying dormant with us. The seed has not been sown yet. When God blesses something, he does it well and he multiplies it. He replenishes it, it bears fruit. I know you guys can recall the, uh, the story in the scripture about um, him feeding the multitude of people with five loaves and two fishes. When he blessed that, it multiplied grew. So we have the blessings of God to go and be fruitful, as it says in Genesis 1:28. Fruitful is to add to something what's, what's already there and produce more of something. And to multiply, in verse 28, is to cause to increase greatly in number and in quantity, increase in number by reproducing it. And he also said in that scripture, he said, he said to replenish the earth, and that means to fill something up again, to restore to a formal level or condition to make full or complete again. So God has already blessed us in the beginning to start making disciples because he, to be fruitful is to add to what's already there, to multiply is to increase in number, to replenish is to fill up and refill something again. He also added to subdue, which means to control and have dominion over that. So in the beginning... The earth was void, we know that, and he wanted us to whom he created. He blessed us to fill up with him, to re reproduce him, to multiply him, to bear fruit of him. First he blessed us, then he, secondly, he commanded us to love thy neighbor as thyself. If we go to Matthew 25, verses 35 to 39, I'm going to focus on uh, verse 37 through 39. 37 reads, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love thy, thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. 38, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Who is thy neighbor? Well, we know that there was a story of the Good Samaritan. And um, we had a, a lawyer had asked the Lord a question. How do I inherit the kingdom of God? What is the great commandment? We know the great commandment is to love the Lord thy God himself with all their heart, mind, and soul, and love the neighbor as thyself. He want to know how I can inherit the kingdom of God. Well, he, Jesus always responds with a question to someone. Then if they don't understand it, he gives a parable. So he gave a parable with the, uh, 
the Good Samaritan story. We're all very busy on our day-to-day -day journeys. We have things to do, places to go, um, and, it's, and we are too busy to make disciples, but God doesn't want us to be that. He wants us to take time to do that. So you, in this Good Samaritan story, there were three different types of situations. First, you had the priest who didn't even go near the, the gentleman who had been making a journey from Jer uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. And on his travel, on his journey, he was attacked um, by thieves, and they left him for dead. They took everything. They stripped everything that he had. But then you have this priest that comes along and sees him from afar. Didn't even take the time to look down upon him. He didn't want to get involved. He had too much baggage, maybe. Too many problems and too many serious issues. That's why he didn't want to get involved. He just didn't have time. He would leave that for somebody else to do. That's not my job to do, to stop and help that man. Just looked at him from afar. We cannot be afraid or leave the responsibility for someone else to do or get too busy to do it or to get involved or even pass judgment. God calls us to love thy neighbor as thyself. Remember that. The second scenario was the Levi. He was curious, as they call curious George. He came close enough just to look down upon the man. Didn't do anything else but just look. Wondering, well, what's their problem? What's going on? He just looked. Then he passed by. He probably thought, oh, maybe the, the guy's half dead anyway. Too far gone for me to do anything to help or any good to do any good. He just passed by on the other side. We have to be careful that we don't look down upon people who are crying out for help. Sometimes they do it very vocally, very loudly. It's, it's obvious then. Sometimes they do it very silently. That's why you have to be discerned and be still and, and be moved by the Spirit of God, be led by the Spirit of God. And we cannot just do anything. He passed by, and it was, he just passed by. We can't let people do that. Who are we to judge to say it's too late for that person? We, we cannot determine that. We're supposed to love and do what we can. Then you have a third person scenario. They call him the Good Samaritan. He, too, was on a journey going from going on his ministry, busy doing different things. But he saw where he was. That's the key thing. You saw where they are. You can't have them here, but you got to see them where they're at right there. He had compassion. You have to have empathy for people. He went to him. He fixed him right then and there. He didn't wait. They said they poured oil and wine over him. He took time to stop what he was doing in his busy schedule to care for that man. And then when he did a step farther, he put him on his own beast, on his own horse or mule. He carried him literally. You're going to have to give up some things to help somebody else along the, the way. You have to carry your brothers, they say. Then he took him to an inn, took care of him overnight. Then in the morning, he told the innkeeper, I have to go. I have to continue on my journey. I have a missionary to do. I have a ministry to do, too. And I'm going to give you some money to take care of them. Now, in dealing with the disciples, you're going to have to come up with some funds, some financial funds to help them sometime. They may be a critical situation that come up. You may take them out for lunch. It's going to call require some of your time and your money. Just be aware of that. He gave him some money to take care of, and he also said to the innkeeper, whatever you put out to help him, I will repay then I'm coming back to pay, pay you back. He didn't say I was just going to pay you. He came back. So when you're dealing with individuals, you have to follow up on it. You can't just leave them out there. You have to follow up, see how they're doing, see how they're progressing along, because the enemy can come and snatch when you get them isolated like that. You've got to come back and follow up. 
when you're working with your disciples, there's going to be some incidents that's going to happen. There's going to be some critical ones that happen. Distractions along the way, diversions, unexpected and uninterruptions while you're still working on your journey. He took the time. We have to do that. And sometimes we don't think, well, I don't have time to do that. But you do. You got to think thinking about a soul here because he's called us to do that. He's gave us the great commission to do that. We have to follow the leading of Christ. And in Matthew 28, 19, the Lord gave the great commission. And that is to go and teach, which is go to make disciples. Commission is defined as an instruction a command or duty given to a person or a group of people, people who are officially charged with a particular function to, to give an order or to authorize. Now, the basic meaning of, of uh, commission is the act of passing on the responsibility to someone else, someone who is accredited, somebody who has authority, certified, maybe even licensed, empowered, and qualified. That means you and I, he's given us that. We've get, he's given us the gift. He's given us the word. He's given us his spirit. We are qualified. We're certified. We're licensed to go and disciple people. Now, how do we identify disciples? In my first uh, bullet in um, the Roman number two, connecting. You have to establish a connection with them. You've got to spend some time with them, start building relationships. Invite them to group sessions, a group dinner. Invite them to your home, but make sure that's gender appropriate. You don't invite females with males and vice versa when they're alone like that. That's not, a, that's not appropriate. You invite them to, to classes or an upcoming event, basketball, go shopping with them, something that's going to get them connected. you got to start reaching for them. They have to see you first. You have to be transparent. Let them see your struggles, your victories, your kindness. Let them hear your story, your testimony. We're overcome by the word of our testimony. They will start becoming more comfortable with you and start trusting you with personal and confidential information. They will start asking you questions. People see acts of kindness toward them from you. You have to start learning how to do good small talk, asking where they're from, <laughs> hobbies, or their favorite teams, talking about themselves, their kids. People love to talk about themselves. They do that all the time. Being transparent and visible means that they may have heard of you, seen you, seen you operating in the ministry before, seen you praying for people, different things, Bible studies. That's what happened with Jesus before he even picked his disciples. They knew who he was. They heard about his ministry. They heard about the miracles he was doing. So when, they, when he just simply said, follow me, they knew who he was. So you have to make yourself transparent. They have to be able to trust you to do that. B, seeking God. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. you have, uh, so a potential disciple has to be pursuing God, has to be seeking him, seeking more of him. These individuals are not always going to be in the altar up here. They're going to be in the back. Some of them are uh, intimidated or uncomfortable. They're shy based on their personalities. They think they will be looked at differently because, oh, I've got a problem. I'm coming up. A lot of times they're not in the altar, they're in the back. You have to be sensitive enough to know and go and, and talk to them and pray with them. Fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, they have to be striving or showing some attributes of the characters of the fruits of the Spirit to a, a potential disciple. And we know love, love is God above all things. 
We're supposed to do that. But he also, God calls us to love others too. Joy is more than happiness. Even when things don't go your way, when you start um, spending time and connecting with people, they start telling you things that what's going on, then you start seeing things. Well, I know they're going through some things, but they still have some joy about them. Peace. You want someone that's, that's a peacemaker that's not a quick to, to have conflict or judge people. Peace that follows order. Somebody that's long-suffering, who endures inconvenience without complaints and difficulties and hardship. As you continue to connect with them and, and visit with them, you're going to know that they've gone through some things. They've told you their testimony. And if a person is grounded when they go through situations like that, that's a good disciple, uh, a potential disciple, because they're not going to waver. They're going to stay. It's like a pillar. They'll stay right, right there with you. Another attribute that they should be trying to obtain is be gentle. Kindness and concern for others' needs. When you hear their conversation, well, I haven't seen such and such, or what's the, what are they doing, and how are they doing, whether kids, I haven't seen them, how their job going. They're concerned about other themselves. They have a gentle and meek spirit about them. Temperance. You want someone that's self-control. That's in um, their desire to focus on things that are good, something, their temperance in their flesh, attention to dealing with their, their family. If they're a family person, they have things in order. They have self-control. Goodness is a, one of the last fruits of the spirit. Doing what is right in every situation. I know that's a mouthful and it's kind of hard to do, but a disciple wants to do that. They want to line up with the word of God. And sometimes you have to bite your tongue to do that. Those are some type of the qualities, fruits of the spirit that you're going to be looking for in, in a, a potential disciple. Teachable is D, 2 Timothy 3.16. Someone that's interested in knowing the word of God, uh, growing in, in the knowledge of him, someone that's interested in classes and groups, someone that's a note taker. You have a note taker that's around that you, you, you're watching, whether it's here or on your job. That person wants to go back and regroup and think about what was just taught. They want to go back and study it and make sure the man of God or the woman of God is lining up with the word of God. Not that you're trying to judge them, but you, they're a student of the word. If anybody's engaged when you're talking with them, they really want to listen, want to know, they're engaged. They're not just want to get their words out. They're actively listening to you, what you're saying. Someone that's teachable is someone that's willing to follow directions and instructions. As you continue to uh, uh, talk with people, you hear them talk about things on their job and how they interact with somebody, and then you can kind of gauge, well, this person is conf confrontational or they're quick to do this, but you want somebody that's going to be a student that knows that they're a student and willing to follow. They don't want to upskirt the teacher. If they've been put in that position as a disciple or student, let them remain in that position until they can elevate themselves otherwise. They need to be teachable. And as I said earlier, you can kind of gauge some of these things when spending time with people. E, servant, John 12, 26, those who are willing to volunteer without asking. I know we have many of sign-up sheets, sign-up sheets, sign-up sheets, and pastor and other people asking people to do things. But when people volunteer to do things by themselves, that means that they, they're doing it without getting a pat on the back, or, or get, doing it without being on the platform, or doing it without saying, oh, she, she did that. Those themselves are very, they're, they're servant-type people. They only, they only give financially, they give of their time. They may help you move. They may help you with your car problems. They're just a servant, and they don't want publicity and knowing that they helped you. They're really a quiet person. Someone that's patient, Psalms 27 and 14. Those who know when to show restraint, 
No one's to confront something and they're slow to react, to judge or to speak, and they can resolve conflict with no restraint. They can set boundaries and they know when to tell you no. You're dealing with people that uh, are busy in their lives and have things to do, and then you're trying to get them to, to do something, and they set healthy boundaries. And you'll know that when you're dealing with them. And it's okay to say, no, I can't do it here, but I can do it this day. That's the kind of person that you want just don't want to say yes, yes, yes to everything because they wear this some out. You do that. G is humble, 1 Peter 5 and 5 through 6. They're always thinking of other people. Um, they're always asking how so-and-so is doing. Uh, maybe him or her can do this. What do you think about doing that? They're always wanting to, to uplift someone else besides themselves. Somebody that is disciplined, that has order. They, they like detail. If you ever ran across a person who's eating M&Ms and they, they put all the red ones, all the blue ones, the green ones here, you know, they're not ADHD, but they just very detailed in their thinking, they're analytical. That's good to have that attribute because Jesus had all kind of different personalities in his, in his group. You're not going to all have the same of him. We wouldn't reflect him, but he had all kind of characteristics with him. But you want somebody that's disciplined that's going to be follow order, follow direction. Diversity. Those are people that are different races, cultures, um, educational, life's experiences, something that's somebody that's totally different than you. I have been working with uh, her Grace, and she's from Nigeria. She's from Africa. We're working with her for about a couple years now. And, her, and their dialect is different. It's very thick. And then when they approach you, they, uh, they may bow before you because that's their culture. Or they might even have eye contact with you because their culture. A potential disciple, be somebody different. Extend yourself to somebody that's totally different from you. You stretch yourself. You know? And then there could be a, a language barrier because you're trying to, to tune in and listen to them. And then it's the opposite with them. If they're not used to their dialect, but yet you're speaking, it's harder for them to... To, to receive it as well. So they have, sometimes they have this look on their face, not that they don't, they're not with you, it's that it would be easier if it was in their language. And the last one is how to make disciples. Each person is gonna be different because they come from different classes, different experiences, different everything, and, and their need is gonna be different when you're dealing with them. Availability, you have to be available. Through calls and texts, you're gonna get them at three o'clock in the morning. You have to spend time with them, unscheduled time. There's to be trips to the hospital. Your car, gonna, they go car, their car's gonna break down. They need assistance in moving, job interviews, sending references. They need a model, and you have to be available for that. They're seeing you as that model. They have to see you praying. They have to see you sometimes struggle, or they have to see you in your victories so they know how to do those highs and lows and go in the valley. You gotta go to them where they're spiritually at. That's number B where they're spiritually at. You can't come to part person on this level up here where you know you're, you're a student of the word of God and they're not. You have to meet them where they're at. Jesus said to follow me and don't rush them to the next level. Like I've been working with you for six months and you ain't da 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 da. No, no, no. You have to slowly move them along but keep moving, don't stop. See, you have to be honest and upfront with them. You gotta tell them to set boundaries Tell them when they're right and when they're wrong. You're the teacher and they're the, they're the student. Let them know that things are going to be happening that they're not familiar with, they're uncomfortable with, clues that they don't even know how to handle. That things are going to come up when you're walking with the Lord and because they're not been used to walking with him. The things are going to come up. You have to prepare them. Tell them to be a student of the word, to pray and fast, 
because your family and friends may turn against them, they're used to the old person. So you gotta, you got to give them a heads up that this is what's going to happen. Give them a roadmap. Let them know this is what's going to happen when you make this decision. This is what's going to happen when you start praying and fasting. Tell them to listen to the voice of the Lord. And as their ministry starts developing, they start um, getting to the word of God, you see some growth, then the leaders of the church or the, the, the pastor is going to start sending them out and back in. Send them out and back in. When they send them out, they're supposed to be pulling people in and making more disciples. So as you, as you develop disciples, they, they're supposed to grow. You want them to exceed you. Like my mom and dad said, I have a high school d- degree. I want you to get your, your B.A. degree. And I want my kids to get the PA to match. You want to continue to grow. It's okay if they be better, bigger and better than me. I want that because we all on the same team. You have to tell them there's going to be some setbacks that comes. One foot, one foot forward and then two back. Two, then three back. You keep going. You keep moving. You keep shifting along. It's a continued development. You tell them there's going to be some negative thinking. There's some rejection. Even on their own person, they can reject and some negative things about them, let alone from the outside. Let them know that things are coming. And just tell them, let go. That's easier said than done. But you can't get anything when your hands are like this. you got to let it go so he can pour into it. Don't be afraid. When people are developing another person, tell them don't be afraid of people or being forgotten. Sometimes we think, okay, oh, God, I'm by myself. Nobody's where me what's going on but when you put that address in the gps and you plug, plug it in you're driving along if i don't say anything you're okay you're on the right track but the moment it says rerouting then you are you are you're not forgotten god knows where you're at just because it's quiet doesn't mean he hasn't forgotten you unless you make a detour turn then he's going to reroute you you have to learn to lose yourself in the lord tell them to do that tell them to not not to uh, surrender to their old way of thinking, going back to those old friends. Tell them it's okay to work by yourself. Sometimes God wants to get you in the valley because there's too much distraction everywhere else to help, so he can pour into you. It's okay to be by yourself. And then if being put into a ministry, don't be afraid of that. Because I guarantee you that when you start being put into a ministry, the man of God, of the, of the half pastor would know, and then other leaders of the church would know. God, God would have a conversation with the pastor to put you where you need to be. So don't be afraid of that because someone has always been praying for you before you even got to that position. You got to stay humble. Be aware of your behavior at all times as a disciple. Who you hang around with. Stay peaceful with other people and use good judgment and discernment and let go of pride and ego and jealousy. When you start moving and doing different things, doing Bible studies as a disciple and, and then being sent out, don't get hyped up in jealousy where these these people don't really don't know who I am. We don't want to do. We, don't, we want to stay humble at all times. Trust and confidentiality. Keep honor and respect. When you have disciples that you're making, tell them that, not to reveal any confidential information. Get permission from that person early on in your relationship with everything that to happen, so they'll know to contact the pastor or the other leadership in, in the church. If there is a life-threatening situation. Get help. Don't, don't, don't second get yourself. Get help. And the last thing I'm, I'm making the disciple is word. The word of God. Read it. Tell them they got to read it. They got to absorb it. They got to get into it. Because it's the weapon. You become more confident in your ministry and your walk with the Lord. You become unstoppable because you know who you are in the Lord because you're studying the word of God. He will start revealing things to you. Tell them they have to pray and fast. 
Prayer is a conversation. It's a two-way conversation. You listen, I listen. They listen. And then also, just stop and listen. Don't talk so much. You need to be hearing the voice of God as a disciple and get your flesh under control by fasting. We're getting ready to do that in a little bit. And make your request known to God and just, just, just stop and listen to him. Just stop and listen. Just get somewhere quiet and listen to him. And, and try not to get any interference from outside sources. I'm almost done here. And then setting boundaries. No one to say no. No one to wait. No one that says yes. No one not to extend. This is for the, the teacher and also for the student. You got to know how to set those early on because if not, people can overlap those and take advantage of you. And you can be able to, to chastise and rebuke your student because you love them. Being a facilitator, knowing when they're ready to conduct a class or a Bible study or group session, you as a, a disciple maker can be able to gauge when somebody's ready to go to another level and then you be able to put them into that position. You got to love them in spite of themselves, even when they're not lovable. It's going to happen. You guys going to butt heads. You got to love them because in the beginning, love thy neighbor as thyself and rest is the very last thing. Get away and regroup, recharge and get get with God to listen to him. You got to rest because if you can overexert yourself, you won't be doing any good to anybody, your disciple or the disciple good to anyone else. And finally, I tell um, my children this. I've been telling this for years. I tell them, go mad. And that simply means go make a difference. And I'm telling you all today, go mad, go make a disciple. Because in the end, remember the, the basic commission is we have the authority to do that. We have the power to do that. He's given that to us already. We have his permission to do that. And that simply is, is the act of passing a responsibility on someone else. He said to go. Someone is accredited, somebody is authorized to do that. We are able to do that. We have not to be afraid and go. And I am done. Thank you so much for listening. And then I'm, um, I have a young lady who I, 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 I don't consider myself a disciple maker, but I just consider myself as helping. I think I've helped her on her journey. I'm asking Sister Royal to come and give a, a testimony. If she would come forward, please. Good evening, Refuge. Thank you, Sister Phoebe. Um, so I had this stuff typed out, and I was just like, I was just blown away by the message. Um, I'm going to say the course. That's right. Okay. So <laughs> um, I won't be before you long. Um, I can say that everything that just came out of Sister Phoebe's mouth is so true. I mean, and she walks in that. What's just so amazing you know about that and so I want to say thank you and um, yes <laughs> um, of course I would get so of course I would get a call why and I needed my phone but anyway um, discipleship it has helped me so much since coming here to refuge and so um, it's restored my mind. My mind is back regulating for Christ. When I came here, I threw my cross away. I don't know. I flung it. It was gone. And I did not have no plans to pick it up. Okay. And um, the, Luke 14, 27 says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be a disciple. And so I never seen me becoming a disciple again when I walked through those doors in refuge. 
And um, when I came um, before, some years ago, like I said, I threw my Christ away, and I had disciples, and I didn't want to pick them back up. I, again, I, I didn't want to do the work of God no more. Can I be honest? And so Sister Phoebe reckoned my brokenness from the moment I walked through those doors here at Refuge. And though she may not have known it all, she knew I was a part of God's workmanship. She wasted no time doing his work. She could have pushed me aside any moment that she felt like it. But she was patient with me. She loved me. She spent time with me. Everything she was up here talking about, she has done. Even after Bible study, she still, we meet every Wednesday, and she spends her time to help me walk through my junk, my things that has been latent in me so I can get back out and position and make disciples. And so um, she reminds me, of just like when Christ left those 99 sheep and went after one, she spent time away from her own children to help me, to restore me back, to help make sure that I am healed. And so um, those fruits of the Spirit, she walks in. And I have picked them up because she walks in them. I was completely away from operating in the fruits of the Spirit because of her gentleness, because of her love and the things that she do. I'm picking that up. I'm getting back in it, you know. And so thank you again. Um, and so I was reminded of Matthew um, 5, 14 to 16, through 16. And he said that we are the light of the world. And you... Sister Phoebe has let her light shine before others so that they may see God's good work and give glory to our Father in heaven. And then um, disciples never take the glory, and they are always on call for God, walking gently and generously. I said that, and I'm sorry, I'm all over the place now. Um, but to countersign that, um, our shepherd, pastor, thank you for being in alignment because if you did not listen to the call of God to come here, to bring your family here, God wouldn't have had me pull up Google. God wouldn't have had Sister Phoebe here. God wouldn't have told me to go to Liberty Commons. She would, we wouldn't be here. So thank you, too, because that, that's what shepherds do. You're, you're a flock. We're the flock. We lead. We follow you. So thank you for that. Um, and thank you, Sister Dornbach, because I, I know that the call is big to, to be there. So thank you for everything that you do as well, so we can go out and do the work of God. Um, nonetheless, the student, okay, I think that that is most important because if you are anything like me, you think you know everything, okay? And I do not, and we do not know everything, okay? And with technology being so fluent, we think we're teachers overnight, and we're not, and even Christ was a, t was a student. And so, the, the thing that I love most in becoming a student is having a wonderful teacher. I was able to review my report card. I was able to see the areas where I was struggling, where I was failing, you know, in, in the areas where I was suffering really bad. And so I was able to, to review this report card with my teacher. And she sat down. These are the areas. This is this, you know, Wednesday studies. I can call her in the middle of the night. Go have lunch. Whatever it is, I, I can be honest in, in renewing, you know, myself. And so um, that, I said that the report card is like a conviction. So being a disciple, 
my conviction, Sister Phoebe discipling me, my conviction level is back up now. Because when I was not in the will of God, I had no conviction. I, so I didn't, I didn't have the mindset to check myself when I was doing things wrong. I didn't care. It was just kind of like a, a, um, I, the being wicked, you know, just evil. And so now that I've got my report card in check, my conviction level is back up here. I'm loving myself. I'm loving others. I'm seeing people in Christ. And yesterday, this, and I just want to give a quick testimony. Um, my car was totaled out, and my aunt gave me this car, and it's been messed up. And so I go to the coffee shop. I didn't know why I went to this coffee shop, but it was the messenger coffee shop. And I was just sitting here. And the morning before I left out, I put my Bible in my bag yesterday, and I was like, I guess I'm going to do some Bible study. And I went all the way up to the third floor. And so I'm here, and I'm reading my Bible, and this homeless guy, he comes out the elevator, and God said, you're going to speak to him. And I was like, no, I'm not, you know. And he was like, yeah, you are. And I was like, no, so I argue with God. But there was something that kept calling me to this man, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know. And so finally, I finally got up. I went. I sat and talked to him. And, you know, he was crazy, you know, just all over the place. And I just began with simple conversation. And we ended up talking. And I tell you, he just opened up about his hurt, his pain, even, you know, with the church and how people treated him. And just that day, I was reading about Corinthians when um, Second Corinthians, when they say, don't be a stumbling block to people. And as people of um, God, followers of Christ, we're supposed to be walking in these fruits and we'll deal with some things, but don't be a stumbling block. And the people that the church he was going to, they were misrepresenting God. They were not making disciples. And so here this man is seeking help in his mess and they were kicking him away. And so um, his hands were all nasty and, you know, just I'm like, God, I'm, I'm wrestling because, of course, you know, that's I'm, I'm, I'm kicking my flesh out because I want to do the work of God. I'm discipling. I don't know this man. And so um, he said, thank you. I end up praying with him and everything and just being there to offer him hope. I told him what God showed me in him. God showed me that this man was a scientist before I even walked up to him. He loved math, his favorite subject. I start speaking to him about what he liked in school, and he liked science work. He pulled out a bag of rocks and he said, I can make diamonds. And so he showed me this trick with these rocks or whatnot. But I, I, I'm saying all this to say that in my obedience, when I get back in my car, I had to use a screwdriver for the shift gear and I went to put it in gear and it went in gear by itself. And it's been going in gear and it's been going in gear without the screwdriver. But because I was obedient, because I was out, you know, allowing God to use me going to go do things even when I felt like I didn't have the money to look out for him and just make, because he's still God's child. He's still, it's a part of God. And so that's how we have to look at people. And because of you, I'm able to get back into the ministry that I love with homeless people and not being scared and, and just going back out there because I have been being built back up. So thank you. <laughs> My, uh, my wife and I love these two ladies. They are great, great women of God that we love and appreciate very much. And I thank them for sharing those things tonight. Um, you know, 
Sister Phoebe won't get up here, and she won't tell you everything that she could tell you because she's, oh, I'm like this, and I'm just, I'm going to tell you what, God said this, but I'm going to tell you what Sister Phoebe does, things that I know about that maybe she don't even know that I know about. So Sister Phoebe has got together and painted people's house with them, taking them out to dinner, taking midnight, three in the morning calls, has paid for people when they get in financial hardship, picks people up for church on a regular basis, takes them out after the service, gets them gifts. She listens to them. She prays with them. She goes back, and I'll be leaving on a Sunday, and I'll say, all right, well, we'll see you later, and she's still sitting in here with somebody, talking to them, just listening, just listening, loving people. And uh, so that's why that's why people like Patricia and many other people can get up here and say, oh, hey, here's where I was at, but Sister Phoebe just made a real big difference in my life. And uh, so now Sister Patricia gets up here, and she's like, God's doing this in my life. God's using me to do this. That's exactly what discipleship is. Be a Paul. Pursue a Barnabas, train a Timothy. That's the way the New Testament church was built. And so sometimes we're guilty, we meaning Refuge Church and churches across America, by saying things like, preach the gospel and I get to sweating and shouting and we open up an altar and we all approach the altar and we line up across the altar and we're weeping, crying in conviction because we know that we could do more for God. But then we leave and we don't actually do anything with it. So I like to take Wednesday night principles for life and ask somebody that is doing it to come and say, please tell us point by point some of the things that you're doing and that you intentionally focus on. Because if we're here tonight, we say, well, yeah, praise God. I want to, we should all make disciples. Praise God. Amen. I believe that. The Bible says it. What are we doing with that? When's the last time we have, discipleship does not begin when they get baptized and somebody goes to a class downstairs. You know, Sister Patricia said, yeah, and starting to make a disciple. And she's talking about this homeless guy. No doubt that there are people maybe either here or watching online and saying, that ain't making a disciple. Yes, it is. Discipleship begins with hello. It begins with an investment, an intentional investment. And so... I know some of you might, you might say, well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really an outgoing person. I don't, I don't know how to make that disciple. Listen, we don't even have to go out and knock on doors to make a disciple. Do you know on Sunday, this past Sunday, there were several people sitting in these pews on a Sunday morning that desperately need someone. And that's where mature saints, children of God, we have to transition from, I didn't really get much out of the service today. Well, you know, the worship was all right. Preaching didn't really hit home. It's not just a buffet for the believer. We got to be every single time we get together. Listen, we're feeding ourselves. Of course, there are going to be Sundays that you're like, I need a word from God. I need to worship because, man, I'm struggling this week. It happens. But as a seasoned saint, if that's happening every single week, there's an issue. So on Sundays, we got to be coming and saying, God, I'm going to go pray at that altar. And when I stand up, 
Help me when I stand up to have your eyes. As I begin to look around, I don't want to just and just pray and walk right back to my seat. I want to stand up and I want to begin to look around. God, heal me to see someone through your eyes. If you have a word for somebody, give it to me. I, I just, I want to, I want, give me a word for somebody. Lay someone in my heart. Maybe it might not be a specific word, but help me. Oh, I feel like I need to pray with that person. I'm just going to walk up and put my hand on that person and say, Jesus, touch my brother, touch my sister. God, be with them right now. Help me, like Sister Phoebe referenced, to go look. And maybe somebody that's sitting in the back with their head bowed, they don't feel like they can come up to the front. But I'm going to go back there. I'm going to say, hey, do you mind if I pray with you real quick? Most people will say, yeah, come on. And then afterwards, you say, you doing all right? Oh, my, my name is so-and-so. We should not be as believers saying, now, who was that guy that was in the second to last row? He, was, he had, had a beard. He had white hair. Who was that lady? She came in, and she walked. She, made, she came in with the little kid, and, and that shouldn't be us. Those are opportunities to do exactly what Sister Phoebe's talking about doing. And so we offer this practical training because too often we have a powerful message with a great response at the altar but then the practical training of what do I do now isn't there. That's what this is. We want you to take something and look at this list and say, okay, I want to be intentional. Okay, so it might cost me some money. I have to be unselfish in my time. I could find someone right in the building on Sunday and approach that person. Well, I'm not really advanced enough to make a disciple. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? then guess what? You're ready to disciple someone on how to be baptized in Jesus' name. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit of God with the evidence of spe speaking in other tongues? You're, you're ready to disciple someone on how to receive the Holy Ghost. Listen, there's not a certain level you have to reach before you can look backward. Forgetting those things which are behind, we're not, for, we're not looking backward to our own past. The only time you're ever looking backward is to reach and try to grab someone and bring them along with you. But like she said, sometimes you got to go back and pick them up and not just be interested in your own journey. Be willing to give something up to care for someone else. These are, these are good words, very practical words that I pray will, re will really resonate with somebody, not only here, watching online live, or watching online at a later time, an archive video or message, because we want to do something. I don't want to just have an altar call where we come up and cry and pray, and that's important, and we do that a lot. But tonight isn't really that moment. Tonight's not really the time where we open up the altar and play a powerful song. We, tonight is the night where we say, I'm going to take this hand out. And I've heard from someone that's doing it. And then someone who was the, the fruit of, of that ministry. And now I want to go do that. I want to go do that. If she can do it, why can't I? Hallelujah. It's white as mouth, be me. I haven't done that in a while. I'm losing it. 
So I want us all to stand. And here's what we're going to close in prayer tonight. I want you to take that handout. And if you're watching online, I'm sure that our church secretary can get that handout online so that you can print that off or at least view it, access it. Because we want you to have access to it. Sister Phoebe, thank you for just just sharing your heart. You know, just giving us some real life principles, some real life application points. And I want to pray over all of you and all those watching online that we can start to make disciples. I don't want to be the first two in the story of the Good Samaritan that I'm so interested in only my journey that I'm not willing to stop and I'm not going to give anything up, whether it be time or resources. Lord Jesus, God, I just want to pray right now, Lord. And I know that you talk to us about whatsoever we ask according to your will. I am wholeheartedly confident that what I'm asking right now, it absolutely is your will. I am asking that you would help your church to make disciples. God, people watching online, here tonight, in present, and here in this place, God, help us, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would place names and faces of people, God, on our hearts, Lord Jesus, that when Sunday rolls around, and there are people in this church, Lord, just because they've been here six or seven times, they might not have a fully a full understanding of salvation or your word or your plan for their lives. Help us to know, Lord God, that it's not just about getting in, getting out, getting to lunch, grabbing our stuff, and getting home. God, that we're not just here to hear a great message or respond at an altar every Sunday. That's, that's not the only purpose, but that we're here to make disciples. And disciples can be made just by interacting with people on a Sunday, but not just that. But that we'd be interested, Lord Jesus, not just in the co-workers and the neighbors, but in the homeless and the broken and the people in the coffee houses like Sister Patricia talked about, God. That, Lord, that you would really work in our hearts, Lord Jesus. That, that something that in this teaching tonight would resonate with us. That, that we wouldn't just go to sleep tonight and let it go, but that we'd wake up thinking about what we heard tonight, Lord that we would have a, just a burden for someone, Lord, that you would open a door for conversation, that, Lord Jesus, that we would have the fruit of your spirit, God, and, Lord, that we would begin to interact with people, and that, Lord, you would help us to see people through your eyes, especially when we're in this building, but not just here. God, when we go to community, into the community, and into our jobs, and interact with family and friends, God, I just pray tonight, Lord, help us to go in your anointing, God, to go and to take this and make it a reality. I know I am praying your will because this is what you laid out in Scripture, God. So help us to do it, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. In Jesus' holy, wonderful name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name, as the Lord would say, now go and do likewise. Now go and do likewise. God bless you.